There are thousands of small businesses which have yet to be discovered. If you look around, shopping centers are predominantly made up of national tenants like H&R Block, Great Clips, T-Mobile, and Starbucks. A number of economic barriers impede the survival of novel mom-and-pop businesses, but why? You've heard the statistic, most businesses will fail, but nobody talks about why. Well, today I'm going to focus on one of the most significant factors impacting business failure rates. The culprit, in part, might also explain why the price of a cookie is approaching $5 these days, or why many candy stores tend to sell liquor. Leonard. Innovation! You are now tuned in to Leonard Innovation, where the focus is on entrepreneurs who don't come from wealth, but have the potential to be great. My name is Justin Leonard. An interesting fact, Jimmy John's, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, and Sonic Drive-Ins are all subsidiaries of Inspire Brands. Once again, we are discussing why candy stores have to sell liquor and why cookies are trending in cost at about $5 each. What I'm about to reveal will no doubt save many businesses from becoming extinct. And for those who are not owners, this information will provide valuable insight into what entrepreneurs have to deal with as far as day-to-day -day pitfalls and challenges. By the way, today's presentation is derived from my latest Entrepreneur Magazine article a link for which will be provided in the description. Let's begin with the main issue. Why do candy stores have to sell liquor? If you think about it, almost anywhere you can buy candy, you will typically find alcohol for sale. Now, there are a few places to this day that still sell candy exclusively, and some have managed to stay alive, presumably through subsidies and other means. But the reason candy stores have to sell liquor is because... Commercial real estate costs have become unaffordable. Next, I will give you a simplified breakdown of how commercial real estate works. So an entrepreneur starts their business from nothing. They then grow it to the point where they need to start looking for commercial space. Once they pick out a location, the following is what they are likely to face. Starting with what it takes to actually move in to a commercial space. First, the agreed upon price for rent is only the first step. There are other costs you have to worry about in addition to the cost of rent. Usually the tenant is also responsible for their share of property taxes, insurance, and upkeep of the grounds, also known as common area maintenance or CAM charges. Whenever the tenant is responsible for CAMs, taxes, and insurance, it is called a triple net lease, which, by the way, is the most common type of lease. As part of a triple net lease, you would also be covering any utilities, so things like power, water, and internet. There is also what is known as a gross lease and a modified gross lease. In a gross lease, the cost of rent includes everything, so CAMs, taxes, and insurance. A modified gross, however, covers the rent and a portion of the utilities and other expenses. What does it all mean? Well, assuming you agree to a triple net lease, which again is the most common type of lease, 
If your base rent is $3,200, you should probably account for an additional $1,000 in monthly expenses to be safe. It also means that you will pay roughly $8,000 for the initial move-in, which is the first month plus security deposit, plus utilities, insurance, and maybe even other expenses like tenant improvements and moving costs. A tenant improvement is any type of building modification that might be needed prior to moving in. Also, the power and telecommunication companies will sometimes require a security deposit if you do not have a prior relationship with them because if you ever run into trouble and are unable to pay the rent, the landlord could change the locks, which means you probably will not be able to pay bills. So that's what you need to know as far as initial costs associated with leasing a space. But it gets a bit more interesting. Trust me. Now, before I continue, it should be noted that any part of a commercial lease agreement is negotiable. The issue is most entrepreneurs have a limited or very specific set of skills. They know how to make money with their craft, but they may lack the broader knowledge that is needed for business survival. Hard work alone is not always good enough. It has to be paired with intelligence. And as you gain intelligence, hard work can be eliminated. 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 Let me give you a list of fees that entrepreneurs need to understand regarding a commercial lease agreement. CAMS, I briefly touched on this one earlier. Common area maintenance fees. It's important to note that monthly CAM fees are estimates. And unfortunately, sometimes the landlord has to pay more money than expected in a given year to fix things. If the amount of CAM revenue received from tenants is lower than the actual amount paid out for services, they can collect that money by what is known as a prior year CAM reconciliation fee. Yes, it is a thing. And yes, it is as complex as it sounds. Here's how it works. So you finish the year. You did your part in paying all rent and fees associated with occupying the space. But if the total amount received by the landlord from all tenants fell short of actual expenses, they will probably try to collect that money. Now, check this out. In the first quarter of the following year, usually around tax time, the landlord can send you and all other tenants a bill to cover the shortage. And this is always an inconvenient expense because it comes without warning and typically does not happen every year. By the way, the amount you pay is proportional to the size of the space being rented. So if the landlord determined that there was a cam shortage of $20,000 and you were occupying 8% of the property, your pro rata share would be $1,600. Another issue, while it is probably a bit of a conflict of interest, it is perfectly legal for landlords to retain a service company that they own to do the common area maintenance. Escalating rent. This is normal for most leases. Essentially every year, the cost to lease goes up usually by a minimum of 3%, which for most businesses equates to an extra one to 200 per month. 
and this 3% annual increase in rent continues in perpetuity. If you're wondering, the rent escalates to account for things like inflation and property tax increases. There is also a general assumption that businesses achieve steady growth over time as their tenure increases at a given location. But on the tenant side, what sometimes happens is everything starts off great, then something goes wrong, and the money is not coming in like it used to. I've seen instances where the city started doing road construction for an entire year, and it was nothing but traffic cones in the road, which impeded the flow of traffic, which meant a reduction in patronage to the surrounding businesses. Or what if a competitor moves nearby? Anytime you have new market entrance, it has the effect of eroding sales. Lease renewal fees. Next, let's suppose you have successfully fulfilled all obligations as a tenant and your lease term is coming to an end. Now you're ready to enter into a new lease agreement with your landlord. Expect the new lease to increase by 20%. And then each year thereafter, you go right back to 3% increases. How about the roof or maybe the HVAC system? Since the landlord owns the building, you would think that they are automatically responsible for things like roof leaks or a broken air conditioner. Well, unfortunately, this is not always the case. In many instances, it is the tenant's responsibility to maintain, repair, and even replace the HVAC system if it breaks. Earlier, I said that everything in a lease agreement is negotiable. If you set it up so that any HVAC issues are the landlord's responsibility, you have to closely heed the language in the agreement because they may agree to the stipulation that they are responsible for HVAC repair and replacement, but only under the condition that you maintain it. Translation, what this means is if the HVAC system breaks before they replace it, your landlord is going to want to see evidence, receipts that show you were paying for routine maintenance. Now you are beginning to see why many candy stores have to sell liquor to survive. Generally speaking, there are no constants when you rent. The prices go up annually and there may be unexpected expenses incurred along the way. What if things don't work out? Can you get out of a lease agreement? It's rare. You signed a legally binding document and unfortunately commercial real estate is set up in such a way that you can't really test the waters. Rarely is there a way beforehand to see if a specific location is ideal for your business. This might be helpful in the event that you want to initially sign a short-term lease agreement before committing to a multi-year agreement. Usually, this is not an option in the good part of town or where the median household incomes exceed 100000 However, you can do that in low-income areas. You can even go month-to-month -month in lower-income areas. But in the good part of town, landlords typically want to see three- to five-year lease terms minimum. Unfortunately, you have to take a very expensive risk, and once you sign the lease, it's difficult to break if you ever determine that the location was not the best fit.
Some of you might have seen the shopping centers where there aren't many retail tenants, meaning the center may have one anchor tenant like a grocery store, but many of the adjoining suites are vacant. Now, a prudent entrepreneur might see the low tenant occupancy as an opportunity for leverage in lease negotiations because the assumption is that if there are few tenants, the property owner is not making money. But what many don't realize is the landlords who buy and rent shopping centers for a living often own as many as 20 other commercial properties. So they are probably still making money and are not affected by low occupancy at a single location. Take a look at this shopping center. Here you can see that Walmart is the anchor, which means that it is the main attraction on the property. But then as we begin to pan away from Walmart to view the rest of the shopping center, we can see that it's mostly empty. Only a small number of commercial suites are occupied by tenants at this particular center. There could be a number of reasons for this, including the landlord having alternate plans for the location, or like I said, they may own many other properties that are not too concerned about low tenant occupancy at a single location. Now let's refocus our attention on why candy stores have to sell liquor and why the price of a cookie is approaching $5. First, the cost to rent a commercial space is expensive. Second, commercial lease terms are not always favorable to tenants. And finally, you have the escalating cost of rent, which increases in perpetuity. If you pair these factors with misfortune, it could become a disaster. You might ask, are there ways to get better deals or something that might be more favorable to the tenant? Well, typically there are only a few ways to do this. You can sign a longer lease agreement. Usually you would have to sign for a minimum of 10 years to get favorable terms, or you could pay more money up front. So if your lease is three years, you can pay for several months in advance. Now, some of us may not have a lot of money to put down on a commercial space, and it may be too risky to sign a 10 year lease with an unproven business model. No problem. Another thing you can do is to try to get a sublet clause included in your lease. This provision allows for the primary tenant to lease a portion of their space to another tenant, but it has to be approved by the landlord. If I have a bookstore and I'm struggling financially, or maybe I simply want to maximize revenue, I can find a suitable tenant that wants to open a coffee shop and lease out a portion of my bookstore to generate additional income, which is going to offset the cost of rent. So I basically become a landlord to the coffee shop. Leonard, innovation. If you notice, every city kind of looks the same, the same restaurants, the same retailers. If you fly to another state, the establishments will too be the same. So how do we get more variety? How can we create more opportunities for businesses? Well, that's difficult because the cost of rent, as I said, is too high. Landlords prefer to fill vacant spaces with national tenants because they have the money. These businesses have already proven to be successful. The largest economic barrier preventing the next great idea, the next great entrepreneur from being discovered, as I said, is probably going to be the cost of rent. Ideally, there would be a way to lower the rent since that is our main problem, but that's not easy to do. However, one way to do it is to reduce financial risk. And I have come up with a possible solution 
that might work and it would benefit everyone involved. So entrepreneurs, landlords, and yes, even local governments, here's how it would work. And I go into more details in the Entrepreneur Magazine article, again, the link for which will be included in the description. But in a nutshell, there would be an incentivized entrepreneurship program. The program would be facilitated by the city, but done in tandem with property owners and entrepreneurs. Here is how each participant would benefit, and the following are broad ideas that might work once refined. In exchange for program participation, city councils could offer preference to landlords through various initiatives such as contracts and tax benefits. Small businesses would be more inclined to seek out commercial locations that incentivize entrepreneurship with lower fees or fixed rent costs. As a result, entrepreneurs would be more likely to stick with participating landlords beyond initial lease terms. Mentorship could also be incorporated into the program which might help to reduce the rate of attrition among early stage businesses. And for local governments, the primary objective would be to assist businesses that eventually develop, not just local, but national or even global impact. An advantage for cities and states is that it may birth the next great business, which would invariably become a boon to the surrounding economy and beyond. By the way, a significant portion of revenue for local governments comes from sales taxes. Accordingly, a program that helps businesses succeed would translate into more tax revenue for cities and states. If you enjoyed this presentation and you want to see more high value content, leonardinnovation.com is the place for free entrepreneur resources like the 90 day online launch guide, free online courses and more. To learn how to start or grow your business, visit leonardinnovation.com today. Also, the audio version of Leonard Innovation is available through any major podcast service like Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, Google, Apple, and Spotify. And if you found this information helpful, please share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. Leonard, Leonard. Innovation. Innovation.